I want the world to use my story to help them in their own life journey. I Believe in You, proudly supported by RAH McDonald's. Hello and welcome to I Believe in You, the podcast about achieving your goals and the journey which take you there. Hi, I'm Annie Hill, local business owner, and with me today as co-host is Tamara Cook, founder of Known Associates. Tamara was the very first guest on Lizelle's series, I Believe in You, and we've now done more than 40 episodes, and we love having Tamara back. Mm, Thanks for having me. Such an achievement, Lizelle, to do 40 episodes. It's amazing, or over 40 episodes, and you're still on that freight train now. Thanks for having me back and I'm in the hot seat. No, you're in the hot seat. I'm co-hosting, so woohoo. And this episode, we're going to be talking about being outside your comfort zone. And you're right, Tamara, we've got Lizelle in the hot seat today because for the last year, Lizelle has put herself out of the comfort zone. Tell us about that, Lizelle. So we as business owners have our business and we go forward and we know exactly what it is. But to put yourself out of your comfort zone and write a book, that is the next level. As we know, we all got a book in us. But I tell you, I was 100% out of my comfort zone, diving into my own personal story from a little child to where I am today. Amazing. I'm so excited. I can't believe you've actually done it and it's been, it's in production because that, you know, well, you know that I've always said that I want to write a book and I'm chicken. I'm totally chicken. So you've done it and I cannot wait to read it and just, and find out, well, today we're going to find out how you did it. So do you know, Tamara, that of everyone that write a book, only 1% go to the printer wow. with their book. So I had to double check that stats because I couldn't believe it's only 1%. But literally of everyone start writing a book, 1% go to printer. I'm going to be alongside you. We're going to be one of that 1% to take <laughs> your book to printer. Oh, this is why I love you so much. You, you, <laughs> I mean, you've got all these amazing achievements. You run this podcast. You've got your business, your uh, personal mentor. And now you've got this feather in your cap as well. And you're still cheering me on when we're just talking about you. <laughs> Incredible. So what motivated you to actually do the book? So... As I was doing speaking at events, I always dripped some little bit of snippets from my book to the audience. So it was very good for me to sometimes bring stories of my past in and talk on certain topics. And outside of that, Elaine Fraser, that's a mentor, a writer mentor, would come regular to my events. And she started telling me, Lizelle, you have to put this in a book. You have to put your, your stories in a book. And then I do have a very close friend, Crick. And you know with close friends, you share more than you share with the world. And she was just always saying, you have to write your book. One day we're going to write a book. She still said we're going to make a movie out of it as well. But having these two women that keep asking me, when are we writing the book? When are you going to put time together? Are you going to start writing it now? So one day I decided I'm just going to, out of actually curiosity, make an appointment with Elaine to see what does she, as a writing mentor, tell her students what to do. So off we go, make an appointment with her, and that's where it actually starts. Elaine's amazing. In 
2020, I had booked in to do a writer's course in the south of France with her. And of course, what happened in 2020? Yes. See, these are all these things and all the roadblocks that came up for me starting to write that book. But obviously, you didn't let anything stop you. You've, you've thought about it. You've been told by a lot of people that you should do it. And now you've done it. How on earth did you find the time and how, what sort of process did you go through to, to actually put that first word down? Was it pen to paper? Was it typing? And how did you begin? Tamara, when I went to Elaine, she said to me, Lizelle, you're a good storyteller. Because I said to her, I'm not a writer. I hardly even read. I'm just somebody that listens to audios and you will rarely found me read a book. And she said to me, just tell your story. I said, just tell my story. She said, yes, record your story and use your PA to type it. So ah. that is exactly what I've done. I have never write my book. I had record my book. So we sit down and she said, okay, you're a good storyteller. And we put it into the different chapters that there will be through my life. And then I just literally book my book in as a client. So the name of the book is Lazelle. So Lazelle was booked into my diary. And whenever that time slot come up, I would sometimes go and sit in the back of the garden or wherever I am. I put my iPad on and I'm just tell the story. And then that was on my iPad. And whenever it's booked into Amber's calendar, she go and she typed that over for me and correct what you need to correct and redirect it. So that's how my book come to life. That's fascinating. So you made appointments with yourself. Yeah, with Lazelle, <laughs> the book, myself. Yeah, yeah. And oh. I, know as, I know as your client that she is a hard taskmaster and you had diarised this, you had made a plan and your commitment to everything in life is so amazing. But you even surprised yourself here because I think I recall you originally had a March deadline. Yes. So what were your hiccups? So, oh, you're hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> Why didn't you stick to your deadline, Azelle? <laughs> yeah, so as Annie know, and as you mentioned, is I have not skipped one of those appointments in my calendar because I will never cancel on a client. High, low water, I make it work. When a client have an appointment with me, I'm there and it happened. It really had to be something out of my control not to do it. So, yes, I was there. And sometimes I have to move those appointments to very early in the morning when everybody's still asleep and I got a bit clearer brain space. But getting back to your question, I could have had my book out in March, but it wouldn't have been the same. And that's where Elaine, as their mentor, come in very, very well because I did have my final copy, according to me, out in March. And then she come back after she read it and said, no, I want more of this. I want you to dive into this. As a reader, we want more of this. Um, this chapter is not really worked there. We might have to take it out or shift it. So it's kind of you think you finish and then you're not finished. So then we um, write the book kind of again. It feels sometimes you rewrite what you already write and put it out there. But part of the other reason that the book wasn't finished, I could not launch this book if I didn't went back to where I grew up as a child. Mm -hmm. So 
that was a big decision for me to make. A quick decision was to take my whole family, my husband and my two daughters, in April back to South Africa and go and visit those places because I needed that closure in my life before I can tell the story to the whole world out there. So the April was the perfect time, so obviously that pushed it out. And even coming back from that, I went back to the book and I changed it again. Mm, so I was going to ask what impact did that have being in the places and the smells and the seeing the streets and how did that affect your writing going forward? It was huge, Tamara. You know, I could never drove past my junior school. I couldn't do it because the memory that I have was not a good memory. And I had put that chapter so far away that I didn't want to ever deal with it again. And taking my family back there was the first time I actually drove past my junior school, even if I went back to George so many times. So we literally stop and take a photo, and that photo is in the book. For the first time, I could share with my family stories. I could tell them things. I took them back to my house so reading the book, I didn't live in a house for a very long time of my life. And my first ever house, I remember my daughter and myself standing outside. And I said, that was mom's window of my room. And we take a photo of that. And I had that to put in the book as well. So I couldn't have launched this book if I didn't went back to South Africa and share that with my family because my daughters haven't read the book yet. They will only receive the book on the lawns and that will be the first time for them to hear the real story. So special. That's fascinating. And that must really open up a whole new line of communication and connection with your girls. Yes, my, my one girl is extremely proud of her mum writing this book. She doesn't even know what's in the book, but she's just telling all her friends, she said, it's going to be in the, this bookshop. You all must go and buy my mum's book and you must make sure you read it. So for her, it's kind of a, a big achievement. But in the book, I use a lot of life lessons I actually learned from my daughters. Because at one stage, I mentioned in the book, as a mum, I teach them a lot of life lessons but I think they taught me more than I teach them. Mm, you really learn when you become a parent. What about, I'm interested in, because it's a memoir and you obviously live your life chronologically, how did you order the book? How did, how did you come up with um, how to order it? And is that something Elaine helped you with or you knew in your mind, I, I, none of us have read it, so I'm not sure um, if you start at the beginning and finish at the end, but I suspect... You we don't. did. We did start in the beginning. We start when I was eight years old, okay. and we did end where I am today. But where Elaine helped a lot is things that I think was important, I put in the book. Things that I thought it wasn't really matter, I left out. But she came back and said, as a reader, what happened from there to there? What happened in that season? And she was asking those questions. So suddenly things that I think is not that important had come out in the book. I wouldn't have the same end results if I didn't have that professional writer next to me to 
to say, this is what your readers want to hear. This is what we miss. And sometimes I just mention something quickly and she said, no, we want to know much, much more of that. And other times I was exciting, sharing a lot of something. And she said, you take us in a different direction. You take away from your book and a whole two pages that I was very proud of said, no, that's out of the book. So, (laughs) no, it didn't because I know that in the future I can take every chapter and make a whole new book of every chapter. That's true. Elaine's Offcuts. Elaine's Offcuts. That's (laughs) it. Yes. (laughs) Cutting room floor. (laughs) So being out of your comfort zone is an important part of growth, I think. So what growth do you think you've, had personally or professionally from writing the book? Annie, first of all, I hate being out of my comfort zone. (laughs) That is the one thing I do not enjoy. I like to be in control and being out of my comfort zone lose a little bit of control for me. So to go and look deep into it and say, what did that do? It was definitely a grief recovery session. For me, I could have not have go through this grief process if I wasn't out of my comfort zone because it forced me to go dive into chapters in my life that I just closed. I've literally closed that chapter and I move on where I never revisited. I didn't want to revisit it. I didn't know what was my feelings, my emotions in that chapter. So moving back into that, I had dive deep. I had never been so emotional like this last year. I honestly cry more the last year of my life than my whole life. I'm not an emotional person, but the amount of times I was sopping through this book because I kind of look at the girl in the book and she feel like someone different. I look into her life and I get angry. I look into her life and I feel sorry for her. And I look into her and I I become so proud of her. So I totally take myself out of that. But that was a huge, uncomfortable, out of my comfort zone. And sometimes I just tell something small when I present or when I talk at an event or when I even talk to Amber, I think she has seen so many tears from me. And Okay, you're crying again. <laughs> After tears and then we move on. But even till the last paragraph I put in the book was something my daughter said to me one morning and I just knew this need to be in the book. When the book was already after its first print, So we literally add that paragraph into the second print. And I was crying and Mm -hmm. saying, that's why we need this in the book. And then we close the book. But yeah, totally out of my comfort zone. Huge growth within myself as a person. I actually want to encourage everyone to write their life story, even if you don't print it. Because the healing, the different outlook on your own life is so valuable. When you've been through trauma and you've pushed that really deep down inside you, what techniques did you use to to remember and draw that back out? Because it was obviously something that you've purposely forgotten. How did you reach in and, and put those words on, on the paper? I started tap into it and it didn't come straight away. 
I would write things down and then drive in my car down the highway and then suddenly I remember something else. So part of the book was where we were in a um, car accident and I was driving down the highway and the ambulance was passing me and I hear the sirena and something it took, took me back to that accident scene which I have never revisited before. I get memories coming back to me and I start remember. So it's interesting how the brain allows you to go back to opening that doors and bring more and more info out to you. And you suddenly start to remember it because you gave it the time and you stop at it and you revisit it. And I love what you've said about putting it in your diary. I think if you've got any first step action, it's actually to make the plan is to say, I'm going to dedicate some time to me. And if it's a journal or if it ends up being a book or something else, it's that dedicated time for self. And the first draft is never the final draft. So even if you just start writing your first draft, you're going to keep revisiting when you do put that time aside. And you're going to remember it. But if you don't put that time aside, you don't give yourself the opportunity to dive back into that emotions, that episode, that memories that you had. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, already just speaking to you for a few minutes, I feel like that's a massive takeaway for someone like me who's got a huge block for writing and I want to write. That's a, a really, really great plan. I have a date with Tamara. Have a date with Tamara. <laughs> one. Get a frame out there, start with the first, even if you put it in five to eight year seasons, put it in that, and then just dot points down, just dot ideas down, and then go and um, put more meat around those dots, and you would see eventually how it will come together. So what was the hardest part for you in within the content? I know you you're probably not going to give specific examples, but was there a really crucial or difficult part for you to write? Every single part was emotional and it was so crazy because even the happy part, I started crying, ah, oh, because I'm so happy now and life is so good and all the emotions. It's interesting to say that through the writing, there wasn't a specific part that was hard for me there was self-sabotage that come up when the book was already written. Mm. Because then suddenly I wonder, do I want the world to know this? So right through it, you put it out there, you dive deep. It's a project. I love projects. <laughs> Get this project out, emotional, not emotional. And then suddenly the book is finished and I read it and I think, ooh, do I want everybody to know all of this about me? Because I'm very comfortable for everyone to know what they know today. But do I want them to really see how transparent I am in the book? And what will they think of me? Will they think of me different? Will they treat me different? So that was the most hard thing of the whole book. After the book was finished and tomorrow so many times in that year, I said, I'm not writing this book anymore. I'm not going to complete this book. That was again after the book was printed another time when I say, I'm not going ahead. This book is not going to be printed because I don't want people to treat me different. 
by knowing what was my hysterics. Yeah, but probably once we've all read it, everyone's just going to love you so much more and be grateful that you shared all those pieces of you with us and you're leaving a legacy. And there's no, I can't think of anything better than to actually leave that. I mean, we're all here for a finite time and that piece of you will always be in the world. That's so special. So I had this conversation with my husband the morning I wake up and decided I'm not, even if I have the first copy, I'm not going to print it when the self-sabotage come in. And it was a great conversation with him because what we had say is not everybody's going to love it. Not everybody is going to say that's a great book. You're going to get the negative. But you have to know that people that read the book and they don't take it as positive is the people that's not supposed to be part of your life. So that is the people that you don't want in your life. And you didn't write the book for them. You write the book for everyone that can get something out of it. My husband's going to be the MC on my lawns in a couple of weeks' time. And I had said this so many times to him. I said, I want you to make this clear. I didn't want the world to know my story, but I want the world to use my story to help them in their own life journey. So if you found a negative swing on my book, my book's not for you. You mustn't read it because my book's only for everybody that found one quote, one sentence, one word that helped them through a challenge where they are now in their life. Beautiful. Michael's a good man, isn't he? He's amazing. And um, I am lucky enough to have read um, the, the advanced copy of the book. And I found it very emotional reading about the relationship with Michael that you have as your cheerleader, I think is amazing. How is it giving him a copy to read? So this is a very interesting story. Michael didn't know for a very long time till about February that I was writing the book. I haven't told him because I wow. wanted... <laughs> Whoa, that's news to me. I wanted him to read the book for the first time after the launch. But Michael loved weekends and nighttime to have my attention because I'm very busy. And when I'm at home, that's his time. So I had my deadline. So I was forever on my iPad writing and changing and and talking and restructuring things. Until one day he came to me, he said, why are you so busy? Because the previous day he said to me, what's happening? I said, oh, Amber giving me this deadline and I just had to get it to her. Otherwise she can't go on with her work. So I got away with that for a couple of three weeks. I've but got this one client that's really, <laughs> really needy. <laughs> so I, I have used up all my excuses. And then I was sitting in the sitting room, still working on the book. And he came in and he said, what are you forever on this iPad? And I said, guess what? He said, I would not ask you if I know. And I said to him, I'm writing a book. And he literally stopped and he looked at me. He said, what? I said, I'm writing my life story. He said, I would have never guessed this. Never I would have guessed that this is what you do. And I show him all my chapters and things. And he was so surprised. 
And at that stage, I decided that I'm going to give him a copy to read, which was great because he could give his input into it. I was even telling him, I'm going to visit my friend Crick in Bunbury for a weekend. And he was so happy because I take a break. Meantime, I was visiting <laughs> her and we were just writing this book. The whole weekend, we some days didn't even get out of our tracksuits and just sit and write. So he thought I had a relaxing weekend and we were just writing the book. So yes, he didn't know, but today he's very proud of it. And it was great for him. He was kind of Elaine coming back and say, but you know, why don't you just rephrase that? Or I can hear that's what you say, but it's not your voice. Go back and change your voice. And something interesting with the book was I have also listened the book on audio back. I literally listen back to it so I can make sure you hear my voice. Because I had a lot of help in the book. I had Amber, I had Creek, I had Elaine. So I just wanted to make sure at the end it was still my voice. But that's just an interesting fact that I also recommend everyone that write a book is to listen back to it to hear what it sounds like. But now he's happy now and he's very excited for the launch for Saturday. He had the honor now to read the whole book, but there was things in the book that he didn't know. And this was... That was going to be my question. Has he shared? Was there something that surprised him? He knew about 60, 70% of what was in the book, but there was definitely 30% of my life that he didn't know about. And... What he also didn't know about, he know of things, but he didn't know how I felt about it. Mm. He know mm. that my house was a caravan in a caravan park, but we had never discussed this. He never says, so what was your challenges or what did you hate about it? So this book had bring a total different conversation. What touched me the most was the end period where I realized you were writing about life when I knew you. And to hear about the struggles, concerns and self-doubt that you had when you portrayed to me this amazing, vibrant, energetic business woman. And I, I had to question my own self afterwards and say, wow, why wasn't I there? Why didn't I see that? Why didn't I help more? What could I have done differently to be supportive? And the book has made me consider my relationships with people and think more deeply about what we're showing people, how we're showing up every day and what we're role modelling. You're saying about your tears, your reactions. I think it's really important as a female role model that that's all part of us and we need to be sharing that. Mm, that's, that, is that a surprise for you that, you're, that Annie's got that takeaway that you you probably didn't even think about when you were writing. So Tamara, I wake up and Annie had wrote me the most beautiful email, a letter to me after she read the book. She she read the book because she was one of the endorsements on the back of the book. It was so special for me reading her email that she sent me that it it really touched my heart because I had all the intentions writing the book, but you never know if you're going to get the outcome you wanted to. What is very interesting is just before 
I receive Annie's email, I say to Amber, I want to pull that chapter out of my book. I don't think this chapter is important enough to be part of the book. So I have seen that chapter of the last bit of my life of a chapter that's just there, just talking about things. And that is where Amber said, you don't touch any words in this book anymore. You don't add anything. You don't take anything out. The press button is going to the printers now. And when I read Annie's email, it did surprise me, but then I knew every chapter in that book needed to be there because it's not as valuable for me, but for somebody like Annie that had helped her make very important decisions after read that. Wow. Good goosebumps. <laughs> That's so lovely. And now it, it, as soon as it's out in the world, it's only been read by four people, you said, so far. So as soon as it's out in the world, it doesn't even belong to you anymore. It, People have ownership over it. And they're telling you this has to be in there because I need it. Yes, and that's all I wanted. The year that I went through this pouring in emotional time, energy, money to this – is 100% out there to help people with any decisions that they make. There's also a little bit of a heartbeat in each chapter, and there's also a little bit of an action plan. If something in that chapter resonates with you or you have that as a challenge, there's some action plan how you can work on yourself to work through that that's related to that specific chapter in the book. But Lazao. So Lazal is the name of the book, and there's a whole story of that in there as well, because that was actually my name as a little girl before I changed it. I did wonder. So Lazal was my name that my dad gave to me even before I was born, when I was still in my mum's tummy, and he picked the name for me. As there was challenges for me as a child, I want to break out of that, and I thought that... Changing my name is going to change that. People is, I can take away the feeling I had and what was happening with me by having a different name. And I literally changed it by write a different name on my school book. So every time the teacher call out the name, they call out Lizal instead of Lazal because I didn't want to be Lazal again. So for me, Lazal is, as I was saying earlier, is a different person while I was writing the book. But now Lazal is life for me. And I'm taking that name back and changing my Facebook to Lazal. I have people start calling me Lazal and I'm happy. I'm happy for you calling me Lazal, Lazal, and I'm happy to be out there and be there for the world. As you said, it's not for you anymore. It's now out there for the world. So this for me, it's like a new season. But it's a beautiful season. It's a great season that come to life again. Yeah, almost like a rebirth. Definitely. I'm ready for the second book. <laughs> I haven't read the first one yet. You've got to slow down there, sister. <laughs> well, Annie, I said if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have written the book. So I can't even believe you say that you're ready for the second one. <laughs> it's got to be like children. The second one's easier. Okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> so to finish up, Lizelle, tell us what is a phrase that resonates with you um, and has inspired you during your journey? 
paint your days with use of excitement. Select the shades what won't disturb your peace. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, I believe in you. Developing personal excellence for life is what I stand for and therefore RAH McDonald's is proud to sponsor this podcast. We are more than Maccas. If you would like to purchase a copy of my new book, Lazelle, you can find the link in the description. Thank you for listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in being coached by Lazelle, we have a number of solutions available for you, no matter where you are in the world. You can find all the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description. This podcast is proudly sponsored by RAH McDonald's. It's more than Maccas, it's developing personal excellence for life.